0: So we're looking at four cultural beliefs about God that God never actually spoke about himself and the Bible actually never says. For example, if you missed last week, we delved into a controversial belief system. The idea that above everything else, God just wants us happy. And we delved into that and so we encourage you, risenkingchurch.com. Uh, backslash sermons, uh, or on your uh, iTunes, Apple podcast, please follow through and and listen up. But here's the thing, the Bible doesn't actually say that. Next week in part three is going to be my personal favorite of all four messages, and we're going to deal with a very popular cultural belief that it doesn't really matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone. The reality is that God never said that and our actions matter a lot. Then number four may be the most important of the entire series. As I deal with the belief system or the popular belief system that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about it. Here's the deal. God never said that either. Neither does the Bible. What you believe matters and it makes a difference. Right? Right? If you take certain ideas and beliefs to their extreme, you produce people like Pol Pot, Hitler, and Stalin... Right? Christianity believes that every single individual over the face of the earth, irregardless of their religious belief or the condition with which they were born or the circumstances surrounding their conception, we believe that they are made in the image and the likeness of a godly and holy God. And that has implications for us. We value life. We value Life, We value people no matter what. And that has affected our American system. It's why we just don't simply kill off every disabled person. Or every person that doesn't meet our standard or doesn't look how we want them to look. Now when you do not have that belief system, it leads to the genocide of the Holocaust that you saw with Hitler. Because you don't believe that God image is in every single human being. You believe that human beings don't have any self-worth and other human beings by evolutionary terms are superior to others and therefore we can extinguish the ones that don't meet our criteria. It is the thing that drove Stalin and Pol Pot and Mao Zedong and all of these leaders who have committed atrocities and genocide on mass scale. What you believe makes a difference. What you believe matters. Today we're going to look at what may be one of the most, the biggest misbeliefs about God, and I'm going to walk into it with a little introduction, and I'll say this. When I was growing up, my pastor used to say something that I didn't really like, but I think it was really true. He would always say that chances are pretty good That you're either about to go into a difficult season, in the middle of a difficult season, or you're just now coming out of a difficult season. It's not very encouraging, right? That kind of seems pretty close to the truth though, right? It feels like every time you turn around, either you or somebody that you love that's close to you, all of a sudden life gets a little bit complicated. Health circumstances financial uh, circumstances. Let me think, every time you just seem to get ahead, right? There's a little bit more in my bank account, just a little bit more right now, and all of a sudden boom, bottom falls out. Car gets broken, tire gets flat, somebody breaks into your house, something happens that just drains that idea that you were just about to get ahead. Whenever that happens to me, it seems like my life starts spiraling down and it's amazing That it seems like a lot more than I can handle. Some of you right now, you may be going through a lot. It could be a financial burden. It could be a bad report from the doctor. It could be a relationship that's going wrong right now. Maybe your job isn't as stable as it once was. It could be that you're battling depression. It could be any number of different things. And then the weight just begins to get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And and you finally think, I can't take it anymore it never fails. And when you feel like you just can't, you get to that place where you just cannot take it anymore, along comes some well-meaning Christian with some annoying Christian advice. And I don't know if this ever happens to you where you live, but it happens to me all the time. And you, you, you're about to pull out your hair because you just can't take it anymore. And someone comes up to you and says, oh, don't worry. Whenever God closes a door, he always opens a window what does that mean? What does it mean that God opens a window anyway? Or those who say, well, remember, God helps those who help themselves. Okay, here's the deal. God God never said that, but that's another subject. But the one I want to deal with today is this one. Have you ever had a well-meaning person, or perhaps you yourself have done this before. You've gone up to somebody and you say, hey, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. Remember, God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. Here's what I want to do today. I want us to embrace the reality that God never said that. In fact, the truth is we're often given more than we can handle. Now, why do so many people think... That the Bible says God will never give you more than you can handle. I believe that this belief system comes from a misunderstanding or a quote of a very powerful scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in the 13th verse. Can we put that up on the screen? Paul was talking to the Corinthians about temptation. And we're going to deal with this for today. So here's what Paul said. He said God is faithful. So that's good news. And he will not let you... Be tempted beyond what you can bear. God, but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out. So God will provide a way out. That's good news. It never says God won't give you more than you can handle. In fact, when you survey the entirety of the Bible, you will see story after story of people who had more than they can handle throughout their life. You look in the book of Judges, there's a guy named Gideon who says, I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the least in my family. God, I don't have what it takes for me to do what you want me to do. You look at Moses in the Bible. He says, look, I'm a stutterer. I'm slow of speech. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. These people are wearing me out. I can't do it all. I don't have what it takes. Esther would say I'm afraid I'm afraid to go before the king I'm afraid that he will kill me if I make a request before the king David we could put this one Psalm 38 verse 4 and 8 when the weight of David's sin caught up to him here's what he said he said my guilt overwhelms me it is a burden too heavy to bear next verse I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. In other words, I don't have what it takes to handle this. Even Jesus in the New Testament, Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 14, verse 33 and 34. If we could put that up on the screen. Jesus looking ahead to what he would endure on the cross. Mark said, Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled and said this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's literally, the Bible says, he's literally sweating drops of blood. He says, physically my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. God never said that he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. In fact, today for those of you that are under the pressure and under the weight of your life right now, you feel like you don't have what it takes. I want to show you two reasons today. Why God will occasionally allow you to have more than you can handle. So here's the question. Why would God allow us to have more than we can handle? The first response if you're taking notes today is this. Because I believe that there are times that he wants to teach us to depend on his presence. For example, how many of you have noticed that when things start going well, it's actually easy to forget about God? When life is going the way you want it to, you're like, yeah, God, I know you're still there, and I know that I kind of need you, but right now, not so much. Everything's working out great, and I hope you keep it working out great, God. You just don't feel the urgent need for God when things are going well. When things start going down, though, (laughs) you start remembering God, (laughs) Oh, God, I I need you. I need you so much. God, save me. Take me out of this situation. Do something. And it's amazing how when life gets difficult, how suddenly you begin to be drawn into the presence of God. Now, why would God allow us to go through something that's more than we can handle? One of the reasons might be to teach us to depend on his presence. You can see the reality of this in the Old Testament story of Jonah. And if you know this story... Basically, God says, hey, go preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah was like, "Mm, mm, 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 mm. not happening. I kind of hate them. Heck no, I won't go. I don't like them. I'm not doing it. And so he started to rebel. Much like what some of you might be doing right now. After time, when you rebel, your life starts to spiral downward. Downward. And that's what was happening to Jonah. And through an odd series of events, he was thrown off his ship into the water and a giant fish, not a whale. I know that the thing says that we have no idea. The Bible just says giant fish swallows him up. So we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. Can we put that on the screen? Where he says this, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Notice what Jonah didn't say. Jonah did not say, in my success, I called to the Lord. But it was in my distress. It's amazing how much we crave God when we're in distress. Notice that we need him during our distress and oftentimes overlook him in our moments of success. In my distress, I call to the Lord. Next next slide. He says, when my life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. Oh my goodness, God. I remember now. I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rises to you. In my distress, I called on the Lord. Here's a challenge for some people. You get into the middle of the storm and they start to wonder about God. Life isn't going the way you think it should. You wish this weren't happening. Why is this happening? If God were with me, this wouldn't be happening. I don't understand why God is allowing this to happen in my life. I prayed for one thing and I'm getting the total opposite. So God must not be with me. Or you would say, if God were good, this wouldn't be happening to me. If God were powerful, this wouldn't be happening to me. I just simply cannot believe that God is with me. I came to tell you something today. I came to give you a message from God this morning. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And I want to say that again because I want that to get through your head. (laughs) And I want you to get excited. I want you to work with me. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Why? The Bible says that he will never leave you. The Bible says that he will never forsake you. So why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle? Sometimes it's to teach you to depend on him. To draw you to call on him. In my distress I remember the Lord and I call on him. David said this about the calling of God in Psalm 145 verse 18. Can we put that up on the screen? Psalm 145 verse 18. He said, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. Some of you right now, you may be in the presence of a storm and you're going to remember to call on him. You're going to remember today to seek him. And when you seek him, he will reveal himself to you. When you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. So why would our God allow you to experience more than you can handle? Sometimes it's so that you can be drawn into his presence, to remember his goodness, and to lure you into calling on the name of the Lord. I can be one moment in the valley and the next on the mountaintop. It's really interesting. And I know that you can experience God on the mountaintop, but I'm telling you what. I best experience God in the valley. I am most aware of my need for God in the valley. Scripture says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. See, I best experience the presence of God. I am most aware of the goodness of God in the valley. I can tell you with all sincerity that I would rather be in the valley with the Lord Jesus than on the mountaintop without Him. I would rather be hurting in the presence with His goodness than on the mountaintop and unaware of who He is and what He's doing. I don't know who needs this. I don't know how you're hurting right now, but I want to let you know you are not alone never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of god so why would our god allow you to experience more than you can handle maybe to teach you to depend on his presence he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you the second reason if you're taking notes one is to teach you to depend on his presence two is to teach you to experience his power To help you experience his supernatural power. Because too many of us are doing life on our own. For many of you, you approach life with your strength. Your strength. I can do this. I can do this. Much more than I can handle. But the reason that you're hanging on to your own strength is because you've been programmed to believe a lie. That God will never give you more than you can handle. And if he won't give you more than you can handle... Then you just simply have to hold on and operate in your own strength because you have the power already to go through it. Because it's all about what you can do. It's all about what you can sustain. It's all about what you can bear. But that's not true because you were not created to have all the power to do it yourself. You were created to need God. You were created to be desperate for him. When you recognize that he didn't expect you to handle everything, that's when you begin to experience the power of God. The Apostle Paul, he lived this. And like some of you might learn to live this. In the book of Corinthians, he... In the volume of Corinthians, he talked about a thorn in his flesh... He said that it plagued him his whole life, and he wanted it to go. And you might say, hey, what was that thorn? It's more likely a metaphor for something. We don't know exactly what the thorn is. Scholars have been speculating on this for centuries. We do believe, however, that it was likely his failing eyesight because we think that he couldn't see largely towards the end of his life. And we don't know what it is, but he pleaded with God three times for God to take it away. And when you read it, he says, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away. And when you first read it, you may think he prayed for three days, three times, but that's not what it means. It means there were three significant seasons of seeking, begging, pleading, probably fasting maybe having some of the other churches that he started praying with him so it was an ongoing process now I'm going to look at this from my perspective for a second I'm thinking to myself right now okay if God is going to heal somebody I'm thinking the apostle Paul is probably a good candidate for that right I mean just based on my human side on my human side, not, not, we're not talking about Bible, we're not talking about theology, we're not talking about God idea, I'm just, I'm just talking about my flesh, my sinful nature, right? Just based, based on my human side, I think Paul's a, a good candidate, right? Because some people deserve it more than others. Based on what Paul did, based on what, what he endured, I'm thinking that if there's a scale of merits of somebody deserving it, I'm thinking Paul, you know, deserves it. I'm thinking if anybody had faith for healing, it was probably Paul that would have had it. Let me tell you, church, there will come a time, I promise you. If you walk with God long enough and live in this sin-filled world long enough where you're going to find your own thorn that just doesn't go away. And you're going to ask, it's not your husband or your wife. I'm just telling you that right now. I'm just going to take that out of the way. You're going to ask God, God, why don't you remove this? Can't you answer my prayer? Can't you just help this depression go away? Can't you just heal my child of their headaches? I hate seeing someone I love suffer so much. Can't you just fix my marriage? Can't you just turn my teenager back towards you? Can't you just help me just to be one month, just one month, God, where I'm not behind financially? God, can't you just do this one thing? And you know he can, and he doesn't. And you begin to think, why would God allow me to have more than I can handle? Why didn't he just do it when he could? And this is exactly where the Apostle Paul is. God actually spoke to Paul and he said something that's powerful and it ministers to me at such a deep level and I hope that it does to you as well. Paul asks the question, he's like, Lord, what's up? Why aren't you doing this for me? And God says to him, if you can put that up, On the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Let let me just pause right there. What the the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, uh, I'm weak here. And I'm weak here so that Christ's power can rest in me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight. I'm glad. I'm happy about my weakness. I delight in insults. Thank you, God, that there are people that insult me for serving you. I delight in hardships. What did he experience? He was beaten. He was whipped. He was left for dead. He was bitten by poisonous snakes. He was thrown in prison. He was saying, I I delight in, in persecution." I delight when there are difficulties that come against me. Why? For when I'm weak, can we go to the next one? Can we go to the next slide, please? For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, I delight in this hard stuff because when I don't have what it takes... I tap into a power that goes beyond my human ability to understand. I have a supernatural power that comes from Almighty God. I have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm exhausted, when I'm physically depleted, when I am discouraged, when my mental health is in question, that's when God's power begins to work best in our life. Every time I preach, I take a little... A little step. Right before I start, I take this little step forward. I have this, this mental process that I go through right before I preach. And in my mind, symbolically, what I'm doing is I'm stepping out of myself and I'm trying to step into the, the power of God. See, there's a difference. I'm sailing, I'm not rowing. <laughs> I am sailing. I'm not rowing. Some of you, you're rowing so hard in your life right now. You get into the boat of life and you're just getting rowing and rowing and rowing. God won't give me more than we can handle. I can get there. I can get there. I can do it on myself. And you do it for a little while and then you decide one day I just can't row any more. See, what the Apostle Paul is describing here is that he learned to put the sail up. And let the wind of the Spirit bring him and move him instead of him trying to do it on his own. See, I serve a God that when I can't get it done, he gets it done through me. For when I'm weak, he is strong. I don't know who's hurting today. But I pray that you would get to know him better in the valley than you ever did in the mountaintop. I pray that you would experience his power even more real right now because when you are weak, he is strong. Oh, but God will never give you more than you can handle. That may be why you're trying to hold on because you think it's yours to hold on to, it's not yours. You were created to meet him. He will give you more than you can handle. When he calls you to do something outside of yourself, he will give you more than you can handle. I love this. If you're going to be a sponsor parent, there will be more than you can handle. If you're going to raise kids, there will be more than you can handle. Oh man, I'm talking to some moms out there who lock yourselves in the bathroom and cry because you don't think that you're doing this thing right it's okay. God's got you. Let the wind of the spirit hit your sails today. If you're going to be invested in ministry, there will be more than you can handle. If you're a a man married to a woman or a woman married to a man, there will be more than you can handle. You were not created to do life on your own. And instead of saying, oh, I've got to be strong because God will never give me more than I can handle. Instead of saying, I have to be strong, you say this, I have to be weak i have to be broken i have to be depending on him i can't get it all done myself i was not created to do it myself for when i am weak then his strength is made perfect in me i don't know how many of you right now life is giving you more than you can handle and there's something that you wish that god would do to change it but he hasn't changed it and you're asking why my god i I don't understand i'm going to tell you right now it may be so you can get to know his presence because you often better experience him in the valley than you do in the mountaintop it's because when you delight in your weakness his strength is made perfect some of you you need to stop rowing and you need to start sailing let the wind of the spirit be exactly what you need Let God speak to you today and say, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. So why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? Maybe it's because he wants to draw you close to reveal his presence to you. Maybe he wants to give you his supernatural power because his power is made perfect in your weakness. Would you join me in a time of prayer? Father, I know there's so many people right now that are in a season of pain. And I thank you, God, that you're a compassionate God who hurts with us and hurts for us. God, I thank you that you care about every single detail in the lives of all your children. Right now, I ask God that your presence would minister to those who are hurting. God, I ask that as we call on you, that you would draw close to us according to your word. I pray, God, that for those of us who are in the valley right now, that we would not fear, that we would know that you are truly with us. God, I thank you that we're believing that they would get to a place where they realize that you are all that they have. And that at that moment, they're going to recognize that, God, that you are all that they ever really needed. I pray, God, that in our brokenness, in our weakness, in our vulnerability, that your strength would be made perfect in our lives faith of your children today to continue to seek you, that even though the thorn may still be there, that your grace is sufficient, your power made perfect in their weakness.